Sometimes in our lives, we face situations where the proverbial rug gets pulled out from beneath our feet. We see the storms gathering on the horizon. We know that things, that life as we know it, will change. But we're not sure exactly how. We lose a spouse or a parent or a child, a beloved friend. We struggle to move forward amidst the chaos of our circumstances. This is where the disciples find themselves in the passage you are about to hear. It is during the so-called farewell discourse from John's gospel, where on the day before his death, Jesus goes on for three solid chapters, reminding his disciples of what he was all about and what he had been teaching them to be about and he tells them that he is leaving. This ragtag band of friends who have been with him through thick and thin, who have been amazed by his signs and teachings, who have found a sense of home and belonging, a sense of purpose. Well, they don't know how to react. And since I have recently been through kind of a mini cataclysmic change in my own life, I can imagine these, his friends, while feeling all the feelings. Sad, scared, disbelieving, bewildered. They don't know what to do. Well, Jesus, being Jesus, probably knew all this, In fact, we know he probably was feeling some of those same feelings, too. But after he reminds them of what he and what they are all about and delivers some hard truths about what will happen, he takes pains to reassure them. Now, having recently lost both my parents, I find immense comfort that he tells them during this passage, I will not leave you orphaned. And then he delivers to them this great gift. A reading from John. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, there is plenty to worry about this morning, concerns we share and concerns that are ours alone. And we long for your peace, for your serenity. 
So settle us down, silence in us any voice but your own. And in the silence, remind us once again of your love that is around us and in us and that will never let us go. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It was uh, in May of 1943, the great American theologian, Reinhold Niebuhr, completed teaching his classes at Union Theological Seminary, and the clouds of World War II were gathering. At the time, the German Axis forces in North Africa had surrendered, and four days later, the German troops crushed the last resistance in the Warsaw Ghetto, killing thousands of Jews. The rest were sent to Jablinka. Soon after, Niebuhr returned to his family in Heath, Massachusetts, while Allied troops had landed in Sicily and the Allies began bombing the city, the German city of Hamburg. By the middle of that summer, Mussolini was overthrown and replaced by a new Italian government. The world as Niebuhr knew it seemed to be shaky under his feet. Somewhere in the midst of these earth-shaking events, Niebuhr preached a sermon at the Heath Union Church, and he uttered what would become known as the Serenity Prayer for the first time. It was his way, I think, to make sense of and to give guidance to his people as they faced the unknown. The well-known prayer was later printed and distributed to the army chaplains in the field in World War II. And of course, it was picked up by a small but growing movement called Alcoholics Anonymous in their inspirational literature. Through the years, millions of copies of this prayer have graced the homes, wallets, and desks of people all over the world. Whether it is engraved on a plaque or penciled on a scrap of paper or needle-pointed into a pillow, these simple words have called generations to a new perspective and hope in their lives. It is a prayer for peace, serenity amidst life's turmoil, and it gives us a recipe, a prescription, if you will, to receive that serenity that comes from, not from our circumstances, but from God. The prayer we know best, and many of us have memorized, goes like this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. But there is a longer version. It's in your bulletin. It goes on living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. 
that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. The prayer is a recipe for serenity, but it's so much more. So in this occasional series, I'd like for us to look at the lessons we can learn from this wonderful prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. The things I cannot change. Well, that's pretty much anything and everybody. We don't like to think that or to acknowledge it. We like to think that we're in control, right? We like to think that if we just work harder, if we're more proactive, if we check more things off of our to-do list, if we live a good life and eat our broccoli, if we tell our friends how they should act or behave, if we were in control, everything would be just fine. But the truth is, we, we're not always in control of our lives. Plans fall through, we get sick, the people we love do, marriages end, the plant closes down, kids go off to college, loved ones die. Not only that, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's, it's getting hot in here. I mean this planet Earth. The world seems as if it's on fire, and we're not sure what we can do about it. Life can make us feel strangely powerless. And when we feel powerless, we almost always feel anxious and afraid. We worry. We despair that life just isn't unfolding like we think it should. I know I preached about this a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth uh, repeating. We are, in fact, expert warriors. Frederick Buechner says, telling people not to worry is like telling a person with a head cold not to sneeze. Not only did Jesus tell us not to worry, but today's trouble, and today's trouble is enough for today, but he also tells us in this passage from today that we don't have to do it alone, that we can't, in fact, do it alone. He promises that the Holy Spirit will be with us and that God's peace will be with us. So do not let your hearts be troubled. In some ways, Jesus tells us to let go and let God. Let go of the things that plague you. Let go of the notion of perfection. Let go of the notion that you are in charge of everything and everyone. Let go of the idea that you can change someone else. Let go of the obsession that everything and everyone depends solely upon you. When I talk with people who are going through difficult times and they lament their circumstances and, and despair that if they had just done this one thing or made a different choice or if I had just done that thing better, things would all be different. And I gently remind them that it is not our job to fix other people. 
It is not solely our job to fix the world. I remind them and us that thankfully there is a God and thankfully it is not us. Only God is God. Friends, we do have a Savior and miraculously it is not us. The truth is this, and maybe you want to write this down. The truth is this, maybe fear and anxiety are the price we pay for trying to be our own God. Fear and anxiety are the very opposite of serenity, very opposite of the peace that Jesus gives, which is, he said, so immense that it is beyond our understanding. When we can surrender to God's will and not ours, when we can trust that God knows what to do, when we can let go and let God handle the things which are above our pay grade and beyond our control, we will know a new serenity and a new peace. And that is the promise. In the serenity prayer, we ask God for acceptance, to accept the things we cannot change. And that's a tall order. But don't get me wrong here. Acceptance does not mean, does not mean that we sit by hopelessly or helplessly. It does not mean we shrug our shoulders passively and abdicate all responsibility to act. There are things, of course, we can change and things we should change, things God calls us to change. And that thing primarily is ourselves. But the courage to change is a topic, God willing, for another day. You know what to do. In a recent TED talk, a guy by the name of Matt Weinstein talks about losing his whole life savings in the Bernie Madoff scan. Y'all remember that? He and his wife lost everything. He, he talks about that after the shock wore off, he and his wife came to a place of acceptance. He said they came to understand this beautiful philosophy called basic trust. And what it says is that you believe that whatever happens in your life is exactly what needs to happen to make you the person you need to become. It means that whatever happens to you, you can grow from it, you can learn from it, you can get stronger from it. He said one of the people who had been a real solace to them during this time is the ancient philosopher, Stoic philosopher, Epictetus, who lived nearly 2,000 years ago, who said, people are not disturbed by things, but by the view they take of them. In other words, it is not what happens to us that's important, it's how we react to it. Pain and suffering doesn't necessarily come from what happens to us. Pain and suffering comes from the stories we tell ourselves. 
about the perceived consequences, about the future, and about what's going to happen as a result of our circumstances. Or in another Epictetus quote, we cannot choose our external circumstances, but we can always choose how we respond to them. We can always choose how to react. And yes, Weinstein said, Janine and I knew that Bernie Madoff had stolen our money, that he had broken our trust, but it was up to us to make sure that he did not steal the rest of our lives. Today we pray for acceptance, for basic trust, for peace itself. Without acceptance, there can be no hope for peace. But with acceptance comes the freedom to see each day as a gift, no matter what our circumstances. Fourth Presbyterian Church's John Buchanan tells about a Presbyterian minister friend who was diagnosed with a serious illness. The friend wrote to his, um, all of his friends and, and colleagues about what he was learning from his illness. He said, I've learned that each day is a gift. The greatest gift we can give each other is encouragement and don't sweat the small stuff. Prayer shapes my life as never before. He goes on to say, none of us knows how many days we will be granted. As you look in the mirror each day, he says, take the time to marvel that you have been created in the image of God and you are still here. Count your blessings. Smile more and frown less. Tell those you love how much you love them. Share yourself abundantly. Give thanks and laugh. Friends, as we face the hardships of life, the little stuff and the big stuff, let's bask in the serenity that can be ours when we accept the things we can't change. Only then will we have the courage to change the important things that we can and maybe gain the wisdom to know the difference. I'd like to invite us now uh, to, to say the serenity prayer. It can be found in your bulletin, the long version. Um, and you don't have to needle point it on a pillow. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would like it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this world and supremely happy in the next. Amen. <laughs>